Welcome to the Sporting Ones AFL Fantasy Podcast for a Wednesday evening on Sporting One. I'm with my co-host, Haydos. How are you, Mr. Rowe? Uh, this is our first edition for the uh, fantasy standalone. Standalone other than before the season. So standalone during the season. This is our first episode. And I'm about as up and about as what I was probably when I was nine years old on WizFizz and I was on an extreme sugar high. Yes, uh, and it's not too hard to see why. The roller coaster of emotions that you go through when it comes to fantasy, um, I mean, it really has to be seen to believe. One week you're up, one week you're down, and really your whole aura changes as soon as you have a bad week and then counter when you have a good week. There's just It's just dominated by that, isn't it, mate? Yeah, you probably see it the most. And it's not just AFL, as we know, it's uh, Fantasy Premier League as well. And uh, I'm probably feeling, I'm feeling a bit like one of our uh, premiums that's going well at the moment. I'm feeling like Travis spoke. I've had a career best start to uh, my season, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that continues on from there. Yes, uh, you're right, mate. You're uh, doing very well at the pointy end so far, and we uh, certainly hope that we can keep up those high rankings just so there's a bit of credibility behind us because... um, yeah, it's something that you need if, you're, if we're going to be panning out advice. Well, I think, look, if you're in the top 10%, and I think you're pretty uh, comfortable about giving advice, especially with Fantasy Premier League. I've seen people giving advice and they're ranked uh, in the millions. So We're probably doing better than 10%. Oh, no. With you, I, I, the well, I'm probably top 1% now, given I'm ranked 275th overall, and you're not that far behind. No, yes, uh, I'm just outside the 1K, which is um, a slip in the ranking from last week, but I hope to be joining you in that illustrious company very soon. Well, bear in mind that I was uh, 1,800 at the start of the round, so it can change very quickly, and it can change on your rookies, but first of all, it can also change on your premiums that somehow just get knocked out or injured, and by that we're talking about Rocky, and we're talking about Tim Kelly. Rocky got uh, quite an innocuous knock in the third quarter, and I thought, oh, no, he should be all right. But um, he just got a hit in the wrong part of the head, and he was off for the rest of the game, and he'd only got to 47 at that point. And then the lovely people of Champion Data decided to take a tackle off him and take it down to 43. Mm, Yeah, that was disappointing. Um, So for all the people that didn't jump on Rocky, they finally got the boost that they needed, and it's probably uh, catapulted a few people ahead of um, those that did have Rocky beforehand. And, um, yeah, he was probably looking like uh, having one of his uh, bad scores, as it were. So, uh, yeah, it was disappointing that he only got to 43, which was um, under his break-even, I believe, too, which was uh, made it even more painstaking. Yeah, seven points under his break-even of only 50 and cost us 3K. Um, so I don't know what his break-even is this week, but hopefully, hopefully, by the sounds of it, Port coaching staff are quite confident early in the week that he'll be back. Uh, and then Tim Kelly uh, was looking on an average about 36 and a half time. Somehow, going into the last quarter, uh, early in the last, it got up to 93, and I thought, you beauty, set for the ton. And then just his knee just got caught in a marking contest. Uh, but then it's turned out that he's his, it's his ankle. Um, Bass, you've got some news for us on that. Yes, uh, fortunately, Chris Scott said today that he's very confident that he'll get up. Um, he even said post-match that if it were really desperate, he could have come back on. So that's good signs. And he wasn't even walking around in a moon boot, 
or crutches post-game, which uh, a lot of players do that as sort of precaution. Um, so, yeah, you, you'd think that he'd get up and obviously has the benefit of a nine-day break as well, which is lovely. Yeah, so if you're thinking about trading him out, I would hold fire because there's no point uh, in getting rid of performing premiums. Uh, speaking... Yeah, interesting, though, who Matt DeBoer goes to because I do have a... A bad feeling in the back of my head that he'll probably go to Kelly as uh, Danger is probably one of the hardest people to tag. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think you've got to roll the dice and oh, tag yeah. Danger, and, that, and that's the point. I don't think most clubs do, and I think that's where Dustin Martin's finally getting found out is that they've decided, well, we're going to put time and effort into tagging Dusty, and now it's happening. They're realising, oh, it's actually having an impact. Mm. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Uh, they're both in ripping form, Kelly and Dangerfield, so... Yeah, let's hope uh, he doesn't restrict him too much, whoever he goes to. Mm, exactly. Uh, takes us to our next segment. I've called it overperforming and underperforming rookies. And these are the, these are the um, types of players that early in the season can make or break your side. Now, the overperforming rookies, I've got uh, Sam Walsh as uh, undoubtedly number one, uh, just churning out the numbers. I wouldn't even say that was overperforming overperforming. I mean, we all probably predicted that this is what he'd do. Mm. He's uh, clearly Carlton's second best midfielder off the back of one preseason. Oh, jeez. How do you feel if you're Mark Murphy hearing that? Well, with respect to Mark Murphy. Okay, all right. And Ed Kerno, who kicked four goals last week. Um, <laughs> if uh, you've watched any Carlton games so far. I did watch the uh, third quarter. He got a nice 15-minute penalty. Um the Constable. I'll just call him the Constable. It just sounds better. Um, Charlie? Is it Charlie? It is Charlie. It is Charlie Constable. Um, churning out the scores of your high 80s and even got a ton in amongst that, if you don't have him, well, uh, much like Walsh, you've probably missed the boat, but still probably a lot of upside cost-wise. Still a lot of money to be mad out of him, and he's doing it against good opponents too. Um, Melbourne, no slouch in the midfield. Crows, same. Uh, who'd they play first round, Geelong? Collingwood. Collingwood, again. The most restrictive so, side in fantasy. Uh, we saw it last year. He was on the customus of playing just about all season, dominating the VFL. Now he's got his chance, and um, yeah, he's churning out great scores for us. A favourite of mine that is also on the list, and I think he is overperforming because he's hitting 70s and 80s when really he's probably a 50 to 60 type of um, rookie. Uh, I love his name. Uh, I remember watching him in the TAC Cup final uh, two years ago, and I still don't know how he slipped to pick 57 to Geelong. But Grian Myers, and that name you will not hear very often, Grian, uh, but there might be a few that, you know, down the track now will be called Grian because of this guy. He's got He's got the swag. He's got the dreadlocks. And boy, does he know where the goals are. And goals are like gold in fantasy, aren't they ever? Absolutely. Yeah, old Grinesy. Yes, I like that. Yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he's doing very well. Um, but, yeah, obviously a big reliance on goals. So, word of caution um, there. So, yeah, uh, maybe he might slip down a bit if he's not kicking them. But uh, so far, so good for him. Yeah, and then the uh, round three rising star nominee, Connor Rosie. Now, he won't do this every week. He won't kick five goals and uh, get 20-plus disposals every week. But... At the moment, given he's averaging 88, given that he's going to have a few more price rises in him, he's almost worth getting in. And I know that both of us are thinking about that. And he's 
he's going to be a lock as opposed to maybe a couple of other port rookies that you may have. Yeah, um, absolutely. He's got the minus 15 break even this week. So, And with a favourable matchup against Richmond, you'd imagine that he could probably get that 70 or 80 or, with any luck, maybe even 100 again. Um, so, yeah, he's well and truly on the radar. Definitely got a lot of growth in him and can still score respectably. So he was one of the, the only one that I didn't have out of all the Port rookies and probably a lot of people were in the same boat just because of his JLT form. But he had the NFL exposure, which made you think, okay, maybe when it comes to the real deal, he'll start to uh, pick up. And, uh, yeah, it would have been a good one to have from the start. I wouldn't even say, yeah, a little bit JLT form and also didn't score that highly as a junior. But I'd almost think that the problem was was that there was better rookies in terms of cheaper rookies priced than what Rosie was. His price point was probably a little bit too high. But now everyone's going, oh, it's got to get him in so you pay the price now as to what you could have paid um the other two um jack scrimshaw started off slowly but starting to churn out the scores there looks like he's a lockdown uh off the half back line without uh grant virtual there and so there's a lot more growth for uh jack there and uh he i don't know that he's overperforming but he's sort of in that middle category where he can do a job for you yeah and uh hawthorne actually don't mind giving him the ball too they they look for him um when he's free, so that's a good sign that they uh, don't mind kicking the ball to him for an extra plus six. Um, yeah, so he's looking good, and yeah, around that 60 mark looks to be his uh, go-to. Yeah, and then the other one which we saw last week, which we don't know how to read it as to whether it'll happen on a regular basis, but you know what? Uh, given their lack of midfield depth now without... Dusty Martin for a week uh, without Trent Cotchin, Jaden Short's out injured. Sydney Stack gets his opportunity in the mature age, well, was 170k, now up to 208 on the back of his 89. I think you've got to get him in and go for the cash. Yeah, he sure does get his opportunity now. You said um, Richmond are in a bit of a uh, they're in a bit of a hole at the moment, so uh, Sydney Stack's going to get all the opportunity. Um, he was a late season or early season signing, whatever way you want to look at it. Uh, Mature Asia, which we love, and uh, all the signs are pointing to him uh, definitely scoring respectively and making a lot of cash. And job security, the main point. All right, I've called it underperforming rookies, and some of these are going to be quite harsh. They're probably in a middle category, and I've based it really only off of last week. Uh, So Willem Drew probably harshly dealt with the fact that Ollie Wines came back last week, really only got points once Rockliffe went down, but had two 90s before that. So I'd call him in that middle range. I wouldn't be getting him in now if you didn't have him already. He's at 320K. Job security is probably not that great. Mm, yeah, uh, definitely the, the warning signs are there for him. And as everyone predicted with Wines, he was around the ball a lot. He just wasn't getting it passed to him like he was um, in the previous weeks. And when you play Richmond at the moment, anyway, you've probably got a little bit more opportunity to score well. So I'd give it another week with him and then... Um, yeah, or we'll hopefully he gets selected. Yeah, if he gets selected, give him another week, and then, he, look, he's still got money to make. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure he can churn out better than what he did against Brisbane because uh, Brisbane are, along with Collingwood, the most restrictive side in fantasy. Uh, Will Setterfield. Now, I pulled the trigger on him last week to get what I needed and wanted, which worked out well for me. 
Uh, he's churning out the 50s, and that's not what we want. He he showed promise with a 71 against Richmond, but as we know, Richmond are a side that at the moment are easy to score against. But then he's churned out two 50s in a row. I th- he's got the Gold Coast this week. If you've got him, I'd probably hold him one more week, but I reckon that's about as far as you can go with him, despite his dual position status. Well, yes, but depends, though. If you've got Rosie... In mind, I think uh, just for the cash alone, um, I think it's a good choice to, to maybe shift him on, which is what I'm looking at. Um, I will say this though: at halftime, he was only on 17 last week. He copped a knock to the knee, and it looked like it would probably be the end of the day for him. So to get to 50 after that isn't actually too bad. He didn't tag last week, which he did the week before. He went to Rocky in the second half, so that was warning signs again there. So. If he doesn't do those negating roles, maybe he can score well. But, um, yeah, there are definitely warning signs with him, so I would mm. tread with caution. Warning signs also for Xavier Durst. We started off like a house on fire. Uh, got 100 against uh, Carlton. 50 last week. Just looked a little bit at sea, but again, we know Brisbane are restrictive. He is playing against Richmond. They do give up ton, so he could go back to the ton. I'd stick with him, but just beware that... Um, he may get a break soon because the likes of Broadbent and Hartlett and Sam Mays are lurking in the Magoos, are lurking in the reserves. Jack Trengove as well. So if he holds his spot, he'd definitely play him against Richmond, but he's probably almost coming to the end of his shelf life. Yeah, which is disappointing because there's still money to be made with him and he's a decent scorer. He's shown that basically every game that he's played, probably bar last week. Um, so yeah, it's just whether or not he gets selected, but you think that Ken will probably um, stick with him. Yeah, um, Jordan Clark from Geelong, another one of Geelong's rookies that they've brought in. Uh, I wouldn't say he's underperforming. I wouldn't say he's overperforming. I think he's about middle of the road, which you can take a risk on. He has got sort of high, sort of seventies, and uh, he's now sort of back down a bit. But um, at home against GWS. They, he likes getting the ball in his hands, so we know that um, Tommy Hawkins likes giving him a goal as well. So, which we very much enjoyed. Went from a sixty to a seventy in no time. So, yeah, I think he's still got a little bit of shelf life, but I could see why people would move him on if they needed to. Yeah, if you've got the cash, um, probably now's not a bad time, but I'd still think I'd wait a couple of weeks more with him. The next four worry me, and I'm just going to go with a keep or hold. They all started off, well, two of them started off in a blaze of glory, in Bailey Scott and uh, Matthew Parker. Thank you. Uh, the other three have been average to poor at best, but they serve a purpose. Chris Burgess, uh, Michael Gibbons, and Noah Bolter. Just quickly, we'll do a keep or hold. Bailey Scott, keep or hold. Uh, keep or hold are the same thing. Hold or fold? I reckon it's going to be a fold because uh, I dare say that he might be one of the ones that gets dropped for an underperforming north side at the moment. Depending on my moves, I'm 50-50 on whether I hold or fold him. Matthew Parker, I don't have him. If I had him, I'd probably hold him. If he's on your bench... I'd be holding him because there's still cash to be made. It might be a slow process, but until there's a better option, just hold him. The worrying one for me is Gibbons. He was four at three quarter time. I think he gets dropped as well. Yeah, I'm. I'd be 
folding, depending on my moves. Otherwise, I might need to hold him on the bench for another week. Sydney stack. It could be a good... You're not going to make much money, annoyingly, but um, Sydney's potential. Where is, say, Bailey Scott to a Sydney stack? Yeah, the same thing. So, yeah, there's two potential moves there for stack. Mm. One, earning you 30 more K. Chris Burgess. Um, same as Parker for me. If he's on your bench, you wouldn't be playing Burgess, um, but... He has the potential to to have better games than what he's doing at the moment. Um, so I think you know, painstakingly slow cash increase with him as well. Yeah, against Carlton, I'm holding him. Security too. So yeah, and I'm holding him. Uh, Noah Bolter. Well, he's increased by the incredible figure of five k. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's probably just a hold until something better comes along, unfortunately. Mm, I think so. All right, that rounds out the rookies. Now, I'm just going to run through must-have premiums in no particular order. I have numbered them, but I don't think it's actually a uh, countdown as such. If you haven't got these players, you need to look at ways of getting them in because they're just churning out the points. I've got Travis Boke at number one, but he's not number one in a sense. But... He's made something like 100K. He's in career best form. Even with wines back in, he's still churned out almost 120 against the most restrictive fantasy side in the AFL. Yeah, he's in career best form. Um, I, something tells me that he starts to slow down now and his value probably not as good as what it was at the start of the season because he's made a lot of cash since then. Um, so he'll probably come back to the field a little bit. So... Yeah, if uh, you haven't got him already, this would probably be the last week to get him for me. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the other thing is, knowing where he's been playing, in round six, you can almost be certain that he would go as a dual position. Yeah, okay. Um, He's not already? I didn't know that. (laughs) No, he is just pure forward. So there's that option that probably comes about. Uh, No brainer. If you didn't start with him, I'd... I'm staggered because he was literally almost the number one pick for Sam Walsh. Paddy Dangerfield, if you haven't got him, I don't know where you break the bank, do something. You've you've got to get him in. Yep. Uh, over that back injury from last year, looks to be in uh, ripping touch again. And, yeah, he will be churning out the 120s, 130s at will. As emphasised by his breakaway goal in the third quarter from 60 out on the run at the Adelaide over to silence the uh, Crows faithful that used to adore him. Um, Jake Lloyd. There's two backmen you have to get. One of them's Jake Lloyd. If you don't have him, well, you literally, you might as well just burn up cash in front of you, really, in fantasy world. <laughs> yep. The only player to score uh, can set three consecutive 120s. Um, Swans just absolutely love kicking it to him as much as he loves getting into space and getting these little dinky 15, 20-metre passes to him. Uh, perfect fantasy player. Absolute gun. And you know who else loves him? Horse. BT. Lloyd and uh, sorry I just had to get that in there Uh, Lockie Whitfield uh, interesting fact very uh, big uh, Liverpool fan I just thought I'd put that in there shout out to Lockie Uh, he would be like I was and Lockie would also be happy with his 162 the non-attention of no one at all the 40 possessions the 12 marks uh, again, another one that um, was forecast, and I paid the price early. He was forecast as being a half forward. I took that on board. I should have really ignored it. 
because he's playing that halfback wing role and he's just ripping it up. But beware, because he doesn't play well against Geelong. Not only did you take on that, you also passed that awful rumour to me. So I missed out on his round one score. Yes, Mm. it was only 100. But after watching that, I saw all I needed to know that he was an absolute must-have. Just, he has an incredible work rate. Loves getting the ball. Um, Loves the plus sixes. Yeah, loves them. And uh, once again, a great fantasy player. What's going to happen, though, when he starts to get a bit more intention... Um, yeah, we'll that, that'll be annoying, but, um, yeah, he's a star. All right. Uh, Angus Brayshaw, start off slowly, but, uh, he's still got a hundred and his, his time on ground to his scores just is unbelievable. We only had 69% time on ground last week and scored a, nearly 130. Can I call him a mini pig? Is he a mini pig? He just... He just loves the Sharon. He just Absolutely. just leather. Um, if you don't now, I know a lot of people did it. Did the Brayshaw to Rocky trade and made cash and all that. I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. I mean, I, granted, I had Rocky from the start, but you just can't trade out a premium like Brayshaw. It, not based on just a hundred. Okay, he had a bad game against Port Adelaide, but since then, uh, the numbers are impressive. Absolutely, and he's going to be a top eight scorer, so I didn't see any merit to move him on. And, you know, these primos have bad weeks from time to time. If 100 is a bad week, then, well, well he's doing Yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, one that you've... Oh, jeez, if you don't have him now, you've missed out on all the cash pretty much. But Libba's come back with a vengeance, and it's probably hurt a couple of other premiums in the process, but... I don't really care about them because I didn't get them and I kept Libba and he's averaging 104 for a guy that started off at 392k, which I think might be a 65, 70 average. Yeah, he's uh, back to that form that really had him uh, as one of the game stars maybe, it was probably about three or four seasons ago now. Yeah, he's, but, a, he's um, a bit quirky, he's a bit different, he's got the Simpsons tattoos that no one really understands why, but he gets the ball, he gets clearances and the one thing that he loves to do is kick it as opposed to handball it. That's good. That's what we love. Um, he had a huge last quarter too to get Bulldogs back in it. So if they're up and about, he's up and about and uh, it just works. Oh, and also, also, he almost has the record for the most tackles as well. So he does love a tackle, which we do like as with uh, Devin Smith. Uh, the other four I've got, I've got, well, it's a no-brainer, Brody Grundy. Um the best ruckman in the AFL, pretty much. Um, self-proclaimed by myself and probably yourself. I think you're more in the Grundy corner than the Gorn corner, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So there we go. So you got to get him in. Uh, people were jumping off and selling him at will because he got an 84 in the first round. Now, traditionally, people... Brody Grundy doesn't do well in the first round. He has a slow preseason, but you just got to stick with it, and now you can reap the rewards. He also gave away five free kicks that round, so you take that into consideration. He gives away none. That's 99. That That's passable. Absolutely. So, yeah, no problems with him, uh, and expect him to have a big one against uh, Tim English on Friday night. Oh, speaking no English, uh, he's a scrawny little mite that I've spoken about before and just needs another 10 kilos. Uh, Grundy's going to eat him for breakfast. Um, Brad Crouch, another one that, if you didn't have him, now it's almost too late. Churning out the 120s. He's actually probably, I think he's averaging more than his brother, uh, Matt, who's was priced at almost 200k more. Yeah, he's uh, in great touch. And when they play together, they usually go well. Um, yeah, no reason to, to get rid of him. Uh, 
could even potentially be a top eight by the end of the year. Yeah, I think he could be because the thing that he does that he tackles, he kicks goals, and he likes to kick it as well. Although he does get a few too many handballs for my liking. Another one who gets too many handballs, but I'll tell you what, he's not doing that at Brisbane. He's kicking it, he's racking it up, and he's enjoying life on the in southeast Queensland. It's Lockie Neal, who is the number one ranked fantasy player after last week. And it doesn't matter if he's getting too many handballs because he's getting over 40 touches. So uh, that equates to big points. And uh, last year, and probably throughout his whole career, 100 has pretty much been his ceiling. No higher, no lower. But uh, last two weeks, 140s and not showing any signs of slowing down. No, exactly right. Uh, and the last one I've got on the list, although I'm a bit hesitant now to have him on the list, given that uh, Braden Proust is coming in for Melbourne, is uh, Max Gorn. Um yeah, I don't know whether I should take him off this list. But anyway, he's on there. Uh, he is one of the best ruckmen in the AFL. There's no question about that. So you probably do want to pair him up. Although you could wait a week. If he doesn't hit his break even this week, he'll drop down again and he'll be getting closer to the seven low 700s, which is probably the time to get him in. Yeah, um, probably now is not the time to say that he's a must-have premium for the fact that Proust came in. And also, if you did go with someone like Wits or Nankervis... They're treading water close to Gorn. Gorn's not blowing them out of the water just No, it, it's different to say a Grundy, where Grundy's eclipsing, say, a Wits and a Nank by, say, 25 to 30 points. Mm. Gorn's only about that 10 points, which is easy to make up in other areas. That's right, yeah. So uh, hopefully he's uh, not too drastically affected by Proust, but uh, it'll be a wait and see. All right, next segment. The left field picks, the ones that you may not have thought of that are performing quite well, that are just flying under the radar with a low ownership, although one of them's not flying under the radar. He's an absolute gun and uh, one of the best midfielders in the comp, but for some reason, uh, people have overlooked him. Uh, so the first one, oh, mate, you speak all about him all the time. I'm going to let you uh, say his name. Big man Rowan Marshall, the St Kilda... Well, he's uh, apparently listed as a forward last uh, last season and retained that status this year, um, but looks to be taking that number one rock roll on his shoulders, uh, going very well. He competes around the ground. He tackles, does way more than Billy Longo or Lewis Pierce ever did. I can't see any reason why they would uh, go back to the world with them. Although so. Billy Longo did have 47 hitouts in the uh, VFL. Yes, that's correct, but um, Marshall just offers so much more around the ground. So as long as they go with the one-pronged ruck, Marshall's a great bet. Awkwardly priced, though, and also probably got his strongest test in big boy coming up this week. Mm, definitely. So we'll see what he's made of, but I think he's up to the task. Mm. Second one. Now, a couple of years ago, he was a left-field pick as well, and he worked out well for me. And he's back in the midfield again. Playing for Sydney, does his little run-ons, takes on the man on the mark, as I've seen him do many times. Zach Jones, averaging about 90, good price, back in the midfield. Is he worth, not selling the farm for, but perhaps trading out a Williams or a Brody Smith to try and get him in and get that extra, say, 12 to 15 point hit? Potentially. Um, it's a small sample size, but definitely his role is uh, having him around the ball a lot more and just sort of free roaming the ground, which is good to see, uh, especially for draft owners, a.k.a. myself. Um, I'm not sure I'd be chasing him in classic 
just yet. I think uh, I'd want to see a few more positive scores. Um, but yeah, one to keep an eye on because that role is um, yeah midfield. Okay, that's a bit of a word of warning to myself considering that you know I was uh, looking at him. Oh, I'll take that on board. Uh, And Jared McVeigh going down with a quad injury does sort of worry me because maybe they might think they need to put Jones back there, but he's playing so well in the midfield, the horse would be stupid to do that, in my opinion. And then also he has that ability that he doesn't like to handball too much. He likes to get the ball on the foot and kick it, which we like. Uh, We always like that. Now, the third one is an absolute gun. Uh, you've heard of his name before. You just need to know that BT calls him the Bont. Bont and Pelly, he's continued on his form from last season, and a lot of people have overlooked him because Jack McRae, Lockie Hunter, Libba, all these guys. But Bont and Pelly is playing all over the ground. He's not pigeonholed up forward. Beveridge has done away with that. He's moved something different. He's got Angus Norton uh, up there. Aaron Norton. Aaron Norton. Angus, I don't know. I, was, I had Brasher on the brain. Um... But the Bont is scoring, I think his lowest score is about 116. So he gets clearances, he wins ball, he kicks the ball, he marks, he tackles, he does everything. I think it's the time to get him in. I'd love to be able to, but I don't have the wriggle room. Yeah, um, I'm liking where you're going with this segment too because you've just named three players that I have in draft and you're making me sound a lot smarter than what I maybe am. But the Bont is... You're a genius, mate. What are you talking about? So, you know, we're just bringing it out there. We're just putting it out for the people. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, the Bont is playing full full mid-time, um, maybe with a small stint uh, up forward, but it's only a small stint and he can still contribute there. I think maybe he had that hip injury, which probably limited his movement certainly in the first half of the season but he's over that he's a gun clearance winner they love giving him the ball um nothing really more needs to be said and look he's he's cheaper than uh, jack mccray and he's uh, doing a little bit better than jack mccray at the moment so i'd be tempted to go bonds and pelly and look oh, i'm i love the bond last year he almost won me the the league where i did a uh, sort of a trade to get him in five weeks from the end and he almost got me over the line so i'll always have fondness for the bont and he's showing why right now three underperforming premiums that if you have them you need to get rid of there there's uh, and i'm just going to list them and we're just going to go quickly through why Number one, and he's really disappointing because his back end of the season was very similar to the Bonds, if not better than the Bonds. And even though they're going quite well, he's gone the opposite. Seb Bross. Now, I got him in the first week, hated what I saw, and got rid of him straight away, and he's backed it up with two lower scores than what I got. Yeah, I can't really put my finger on what's going wrong with Ross. Um, Doesn't seem to be having a tight tag roll on him on any of the weeks that I've been watching. Um, this, this is a guy that was regularly hitting 120, got yeah. up to 160, yeah. 140, uh, won a car for someone, um, and now he's hitting 80s and 70s? I mean, really? Seb, come on. What's going on, mate? You, you're 772 priced at the start of the season. Yeah, um, he's around the ball. I'd, I mean, Unless he's playing with some sort of uh, niggling injury that's uh, okay to get up each week, but he just not in that same fitness level, um, I can't really put my finger on it, so maybe it's time to get rid of him. If you're now in the 1%, because it's dropped from about the 3% when I owned him, if you're in that 1%, just get rid. 
don't, don't you, you've got to, your faith in Seb Ross has got to um, just go. Uh, he's got to go. And another one who's got to go, especially because he's suspended this week, uh, which probably makes it easier for you to get rid of him if you've still got him and if you've still got faith in him, is Dustin Martin. He's a loose cannon at the moment. He can't handle a tag. He's not getting the ball. He's just not fantasy relevant, which is uh, shocking to say, given two years ago he's probably the top fantasy player that you needed to get in. Yeah, nothing more really needs to be said. His uh, head's not in the game right now, and uh, until the Tigers play better, uh, until he starts to play better, move him on. Yeah, move him on. Uh, now, the third one. Now, he may have escaped slightly had he continued on in his first quarter form. I think he had 36 by the end of the first quarter, but and I think he was up near the 60 to 70 mark by half time, and then he only ended up with 85, and he's a victim... Um, I hate to put it that way. He is a victim of the Liberatore uh, and Bontempelli brilliance, and it's Josh Dunkley. If you took the punt on him at the start of the season and you're still hoping it'll turn around, people, I've got to tell you, it's not going to turn around. He's going to get you these lovely 70s and 80s, but he's not going to get you the 120s, 130s he was having at the start of the, uh, at the back end of last season. Move him on. Yeah, it's disappointing because... Um I think after that first JLT, the warning signs were there. Second one, he pumped out a 120, and people thought, oh, okay, maybe it's not as bad as what we think. But uh, after three rounds, he's not uh, reaching the heights that he did at the end of last season. And worryingly, for me, he scored two goals last week and only got 85. Mm. So, um, yeah, his, uh, until something happens to one of their star midfielders, he looks to be well back in the pegging order and won't be averaging 100 this year. And he's costing cash. Uh, so you would have lost a fair amount if you've had him as well. Um, the other one that would have been a victim of that is Toby McLean. If you did jump on Toby McLean, please do the same with Dunkley. Get off. Don't, you, you're just wasting cash. Uh, you're better off getting in a rookie that's scoring 60 than having Toby, unfortunately. Um, takes us into our last segment. Captain's choices for this week. Um, there's a few There's a few options that are, that are around the mark. Now, if you're looking at doing, say, a loophole, because we've still got the Thursday night games, partial lockout, remember. Uh, 6.50 here in SA, 7.20 if you're into, in the eastern states. I uh, can't be bothered with Perth time. Sorry, you'll have to work that out for yourself. Uh, 5.20 Perth time, there we go. Um, Brayshaw would be one to look at, wouldn't he? Absolutely, yeah. He's uh, top of my list, as well as Gorn, that you said, and certainly Jake Lloyd, the only man to score three consecutive 120s. But for me, uh, yeah, I'd be... I'm going to be going Brayshaw out of those three. Yeah, I'm thinking Brayshaw as well. Now, the one that I was... Oliver uh, could be another one. Oli- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oliver could be. Um, if you had Parker, maybe. Uh, well, I would... He's in pretty good touch too. Okay, there you go. Zach Jones is the differential. No, don't do that. Do not do that, people. I was only joking. Uh, Gorn. Now, before Bruce was announced as being in the lineup, I had Gorn. Also, just a word of warning. I mean, you could still go Gorn if you think he's going to dominate Sinclair. But word of warning, 81 and 78 are his scores against Sydney last season against Sinclair. So based on that, I think you've got two better options in Brayshaw and Lloyd if you're doing the loophole. 
which we've seen Danger use effectively last week. Uh, and the week before, I think it was Trelaw. Um, both have hit over your 120s. If they hit over 120, I think you've got to keep them as your loophole. A captain, one of your bench that isn't playing, like a uh, Darcy Fort. Oh, I love Darcy Fort for that reason. Um, and yeah, if Brayshaw or Lloyd go over the 120, then keep them as your captain. Um, danger. Now, is it danger given that he might get the tag from Matt DeBoer? But he plays extremely well at Cattery, and he's got back-to-back 130s. Can we ignore that type of form from the danger man? Um, no. And I think even if DeBoer does go to him, DeBoer won't be having the same effect that he has on players like Dusty Martin and whoever it was the week before that. Yo, maybe. Um, another one that you didn't mention too, but we did uh, say it at the start, was Brody Grundy. Should have, uh, mm. should have a bit of a... Let's say a dine out on uh, Timmy English. Oh, it's it's a ruck feast. Um, the Port Adelaide game. Now, just let me take you back. Richmond played Collingwood two weeks ago. This is when they still did have Koch and Short and Martin. They let go almost a record seventeen hundreds in that game. Uh, no, actually, well, yeah, no, I think it was. And then the next player that scored was a Richmond player, and that was Nane Curvis. Um, based on that, Rockliffe, you fit. The pig, as we know it, he could snout up. He'll be onking away, I reckon. Um, yeah, it's a pretty juicy fixture. And also, the weather is going to be beautiful. Uh, I was going to say spring, but we're in the autumn. Uh, Beautiful autumn weather, about 25 degrees, twilight, you know, late afternoon. Probably would have preferred pig and mud, but... Yeah, no. He'll he'll oink it. Uh, Those little short kicks across halfback, he'll be lapping up. Uh, The other one, that if you want to take the punt now, he has gone 144, 138, 118. And 118 was against the most restrictive side in the comp, is Travis Spoke. Yeah, yeah. Another one in great form and should dine out on the uh, Richmond team. Would give you a real differential. Now, the other ones I'm thinking of that just come to my head off the top of my head, uh, Brad Crouch, Brad, the, I'll just say it, the Crouch brothers uh, against North Melbourne. Uh, Their midfield's been giving up um, hundreds at will. O'Meara uh, went absolutely nuts last week with 130. Uh, Brisbane have got. Uh, Essendon so Lockie Neal's always a chance MCG he doesn't mind playing at the G um, Essendon don't really tag they'll back Heppel Merritt um, Shield to get the job done um, GWS you could you could go Lockie like we said though word of warning he doesn't play that well against Geelong and it is at the Cattery uh, you've always got Kelly and Coniglio there as well um, so there's plenty of options this round so Good luck with your options. Remember, partial lockout first, so you can still make your trades after that um, Sydney-Melbourne game, but obviously you can't trade in any Sydney or Melbourne players. And good luck with your fantasy sides, and we'll speak to you very shortly in another episode, I'm sure, that's not too far away, people. Very nice, Paul. Good luck. Good luck, people.